From high atop Five Bush Media World Headquarters in Rochester, New York, it's the Top of the Tower podcast. I'm your host, Scott Feibusch. We are brought to you for this Thanksgiving week uh, expanded edition by Shively Labs. Shively Labs is a division of Howell Laboratories. Shively is a proud employee-owned company with over 50 years of expert antenna and filter design and manufacturing. Brought to you also, of course, by the 2019 Tower Site Calendar. Uh, we are now shipping... It uh, has some really high-quality images this year. I think you'll like it. And while you're there ordering that at com, I encourage you to also place an order for John Schneider's Broadcast Historian's Calendar. Uh, that one this year features beautifully colorized vintage images of radio remotes through the years. That's also available and now shipping from the com store. And while you're on the website, I hope you'll consider subscribing to Northeast Radio Watch also for almost 25 years now. It's been our uh, weekly summary of what's happening in the radio industry all across the northeastern U.S. and eastern Canada with some TV in there as well. Uh, This week, we were the very first ones to tell you about a schedule change with iHeart's talk stations in Boston, where WRKO is getting a little more political in the morning. Uh, They are moving uh, Jeff Kuhner, who has been their midday host for the last few years, into the morning slot. Kim Kerrigan, who's been co-hosting mornings, is out. Her co-host, VB, will move into middays now, doing the noon to three shift as VB in the middle with a little bit less political talk in midday. Uh, and then as we head towards the 2020, yes, already uh, election cycle, uh, Kuhner will be a little bit more political in the mornings and still more local on WRKO uh, and more national on their sister station, Talk 1200 WXKS, uh, where Rush Limbaugh will remain in middays there rather than moving over to WRKO, as uh, some of us had been suspecting when iHeart ended up with uh, both of those talk stations last year. So just one of the many uh, stories that we are following right now on Northeast Radio Watch here for you every single Monday. And if that's worth uh, as little as 29 cents a week to you, I uh, hope you'll consider subscribing at com. On with this week's show, uh, where we are talking about local radio, sometimes as local and as small market as WDLA up in the uh, hills of Walton, New York, down in the southern tier, uh, where Ron Golly signed off last Thursday after a remarkable 47-year local run at that one radio station. Two of my favorite singers, Cuddy Chesney and Grace Potter, with you and Tequila on the morning show. It is 944. I'm Ron Golly. Had lots and lots of calls and contacts and texts and emails and Facebook posts this morning. Just thanks to everybody. So good to hear from, from uh, all my friends over the air, both new friends and some longtime friends. Here's the Dixie Chicks this morning on the Best Country, our final goodbye coming up next. So that was a little bit of Ron's farewell from WDLA last Thursday. And, yeah, we drove all the way down to Walton, uh, not just for that, although you know we might have because it's the kind of thing that I tend to do. But I was actually on the road last week uh, visiting Society of Broadcast Engineers chapters all across upstate New York uh, in Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse, and Albany. Uh, telling them about some of what I'm seeing all around the radio industry. There's a video version of that. We'll put that in the link on the podcast page so you can check out the presentation, courtesy of the uh, SBE Chapter 22 in Central New York, even if you weren't able to make it to one of the presentations. Uh, but, yeah, I took a little bit of a detour, spent the night in Oneonta, New York, which is not exactly between Syracuse and Albany, but for me, you know, close enough. Uh, and then another 45-minute detour the next morning to go down towards Walton, uh, and to actually get within range of WDLA, they don't stream, but I wanted to hear at least the, the last half hour or so of Ron's last shift on the air. And having heard that, I said, you know what, i got to drive down into town. 
Find the radio station, which uh, is up in a little second-floor office suite above uh, the main drag in downtown Walton. Stopped in, met up with Ron, and had a chat with him for the podcast. Ron Golly, we're sitting here in the studio uh, in Walton, New York, uh, about half an hour after you did your last farewell. What did, what did it feel like after, what, 47 years? Scott, you know, the interesting thing is yesterday was very emotional for me. And I didn't know what to expect today, and today wasn't bad at all. So fortunately, I got the emotion part of it over with yesterday. Uh, a lot of phone calls this morning, which were very encouraging, and it's good to hear from people. I had, I've had people call that have been with me for 47 years. I had one gentleman call me this morning, remembered the day I was born, stopped at the house. So it's, uh, it's been quite a week. This is not a big town that we're in few thousand people. What's it like to be so tightly in with this community for so long? Love it. Uh, I grew up here, went to school in New York City, came right back to Walton. I was, had a chance to go to Canandaigua or Walton, and I wanted to come home. But the idea was to come home for five years, and 47 years later, I'm still here. So, Funny how these plans change. Why now? It just felt like the right time. There was no specific reason. I... If, that I'm aware of. And I was told by people like that. They say, when it's time, you'll know. They were right. What has changed the most? And we're sitting here in a studio now with no turntables, no cart machines, no reel-to-reel. That's exactly what's changed. When I started out, we had three turntables in the control room. You had cart machines. If you had to fix anything, it was you really had to cut and paste. Uh, and now it's computers. Everything is easy. The music is easier to play. It's cleaner to play. But I kind of do miss the old uh, old days of radio. Five owners you've been through here? Yes. Yes. And I've been fortunate to be part of all of them. So, yeah. yeah. Town Square obviously is a pretty big national operation. They pretty much left you alone down here in Walton? They did. Uh, they really did. The office is in Oneonta. They have stations in Oneonta, Norwich, and Walton. And we're the smallest group of stations, Walton, Delhi, Hancock, Deposit, those areas – yeah, we've kind of said this is what you do. Just keep doing what you do. And it, it's worked well for me. I, I kind of like working on my own. Could anybody do what you've done now and come in and still be here 47 years from now? Mm, that's a very difficult question. Probably. Probably. In fact, it might be easier now. We're located in a village now, and the equipment is so much easier to operate. It's it's always about timing, you know, and it's how you feel. Are you healthy? Do you like what you're doing? And that's the biggest thing in any job, if you love what you're doing. And I've, I've had a remarkable audience over the years, people that really, we just had a good connection. You do high school sports here. You've been the voice of, of high school sports here forever. So you interact with kids. What do you see with the, with the next generation of kids? Are they into radio? Do they, do they listen? Are they following you? I don't think as much as they were at one time. See, I, I was fortunate enough to grow up in, in the in the '60s where I had my transistor radio with me, and I could listen to people like uh, Bob Prince or Nellie King or Bob Murphy, the really good radio people, uh, the announcers, where they could make you feel like you were there at the game. And yeah, it's um, so today. I'm not sure. I worked with an intern a couple a couple of years ago, and he had a real itch for radio. And he picked up on a lot of things, but it took a lot of training, and a lot more than probably it would have if he'd grown up with that little transistor radio instead of the uh, device he carries with him now. So, yeah, it's a different age, different era. You're thinking now maybe doing some YouTube sports? 
Yes, I hope so. so. I did. Fo- we did three football games this fall, which was which is wonderful. It's uh, it's a great way to do it because you got visual along with the audio, and maybe some basketball games this winter. So I'm very excited about that. I want to stay involved in sports because sports is the reason I got in radio. Just love radio, love sports. What happens here next? We don't know yet. No, I really don't. That's. Uh, that's not my issue right now. Uh, I've enjoyed it. And I'm very happy to be involved with the, with, the, with this company as well as the other companies I've worked with. But I'll let those people make their decisions. So a story in one of the newspaper articles that at one point uh, when the roads were closed, you actually walked up to the old studio still transmitter site up on the hill. Mm-hmm. What, five miles? It was five miles. It was 30 below zero. It was Christmas morning. And I probably walked that hill at least 15 or 20 times over the years. The, the last time I walked the hill, I was hearing coyotes howling in the distance, and I said, I think this is about enough. Well, Ron Golly, thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes to talk oh. with us. What's what's next for you? <sighs> Take a little time off and try to make decisions then. Yeah, so thank you so Scott, much. Scott, thank you. It's been a pleasure meeting you. Well, my thanks again to Ron Golly, and my hat is uh, truly off to him. 47 years at one radio station is really an amazing feat, and uh, what a great thing for the uh, several thousand people there in Walton who have had this kind of local radio for them uh, through all of these ownership changes over the years. I don't think anyone quite like Ron is going to come around for a market like that again anytime soon, and uh, I hope they appreciate what they had there. I sure do. an outstanding job of raising her as well as her two sisters, Bronwyn and Emmy. I have been fortunate to work with all five ownership groups over the years, including... The first owners, Walton Dentist, Dr. Bush, and E.J. Kellum, Hancock Attorney, then the Delaware Broadcasting Corporation, Banjo Communications, Central New York Radio, and currently Town Square Media. Thank you to my community, to my church family, and I save this for last. You, the listeners, if you do not have people in the audience who are there for you, it is impossible to succeed in radio. I have always been blessed, and I've never taken that for granted. Blessings to all of you. I've had some time to think about how I wanted to wrap things up and play my last song on the air. And I thought maybe the most significant thing I could do is play for my last song, the first song I played on the air, September 9th, 1971. Joan Baez, with a night they drove Old Dixie Down. Well, that's it. I'm Ron Golly, saying goodbye for the last time on the radio. Thank you, and God bless. God be with you till we meet This is Big Cat Country, WDLA-FM, Walton, a town square media station. It's time to think Thanksgiving. And the Walton Bell. If there is going to be any hope of local radio in small towns like Walton, one of the people who might just be the one to do it uh, is my good friend Tom Langmeyer. Tom, of course, has been working in large market radio for the last few decades at places like KMOX in St. Louis, WGN in Chicago, which is where I first met him some years back, and then at WTMJ in Milwaukee, where most recently uh, he's been a vice president for Scripps Radio until they sold off all of their stations. 
Well, he could easily have just headed off into retirement and probably been very happy doing so, but Tom, like me, has a huge heart for radio and a huge passion for small communities. And so he wasn't just about to head off into the sunset and not touch radio again. Instead, uh, he announced a new company called the Great Lakes Media Corporation. And as soon as I saw the news that he was starting this, I said, I have got to talk to him about it. I want to hear what it is that he has in mind, uh, what his vision is, what kind of support he's getting. Turns out to be quite a lot of support, and it turned out to be kind of a lengthy conversation, too. So for your Thanksgiving weekend listening, settle in. Uh, You can listen in a couple of chunks if you like, but I think you'll find it interesting. Here is my extended conversation with Tom Langmeyer, head of the new Great Lakes Media Corporation. I guess let's start with a question. After all of these years running radio stations for other larger companies in, in Chicago and Milwaukee and St. Louis, what is the appeal now of running stations and owning stations yourself? Um, I think the history is um, not as different, maybe, as some people might think, because the stations that I uh, spent my career working uh, for and with were stations that were uh, very steeped in community service and big uh, full-service and news and talk stations that really did that on a larger basis. And when I was at WGN, I used to kind of laugh when we were trying to, uh, um, you know, kind of adjust the station a little bit, make it more uh, community focused and, and maybe a little bit more connected with the audience one-on-one is that we wanted to make that station the uh, the world's largest small town radio station. And um, so it's it's always kind of been in my blood. And I started uh, in, in radio in small town Radio, the first station I uh, ever was on, was located in a trailer in a small town. So it's um, always been uh, something that's uh, that's been very, uh, very close to me. And I'm also a person who travels a lot uh, around the region and spends a lot of time in small towns and finds uh, find find. I've always found them. Uh, places where I feel like I fit, and they're 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 quite fascinating in the sense of um, uh, just the connections that they have uh, with each other and in a in a, a smaller ecosystem. Let's talk about that travel a little bit because those of us who know you offline, as it were, um, you know, know that you spend a lot of your time when you're not working. At radio stations, driving around, you've got the uh, now, I think, kind of famous teardrop trailer <laughs> that you've had for a couple of years. And I always see you uh, on, on Facebook, you know, somewhere in the wilds of Wisconsin or somewhere around western New York or, or wherever, trying out local restaurants and, and, and sampling uh, local fare. Uh, you did a, a series at one point when you were with Tribune, with WGN, uh, where you were flying around and, and dropping in. Uh, trying restaurants as you traveled. So this is this idea of, of being focused on small towns obviously is not anything that's that's new or alien to you, even as you've been working in these larger markets. Well, it's really funny because it's one of those things where you might have an avocation or something that's really interesting to you, and you don't realize at the time that it might be something that uh, could shape your career in the future. And um, it was funny, I, I um, worked with Lee Abrams, who does a lot of the same kinds of things when I was with Tribune and um, you know, that's when the skydives TV um, program began and um, we'd fly in Lee's plane. Both of us are pilots, but Lee's, Lee got a really nice plane and we would uh, go from uh, uh, town to town uh, trying little you know, bits of local cuisine and being able to present them in a way that was, uh, was kind of fun and different. And the, 
uh, series was called Skydives on WGN America. But over the years, even when I was, uh, you know, a, a young guy, we'd always go on Sunday drives with my parents. And we always loved to, to uh, visit, uh, you know, unique and different places. And over the years, even here in Wisconsin, with my little teardrop trailer, um, which is uh, so small that it's just basically a bed on wheels, I can get around and, and, and visit towns and, and, and just take it all in. And I did did that not with the feeling of hey let's let's get a trailer and let's go around towns and and, and buy radio stations but it was just something that i enjoyed doing and um you go to a, a cafe and you sit down and you'd look at the um paper menu uh or the paper uh paper mat uh, placemat and in in around with a bunch of advertising to frame uh, to frame things was the high school football schedule and the basketball schedule. And you'd sit down and just have a cup of coffee and have some eggs and listen to people talk about what was important to them. And, and oftentimes those things were not things that you would hear on radio, typically. You know, maybe you would in a small town, but uh, you, you certainly wouldn't hear it, um, you know, on, on radio that most people would consume, which has, over the years, has become more of a uh, sort of a national play or a more, uh, you know, kind of generic play. So on the on the news and talk side, uh, you would have, uh, you know, you have a lot of syndicated uh, national programming and not that that's not good, but um, it's, it's definitely not uh, local. And then on the music side, uh, you would have, uh, you know, a nice you know, well-cured, uh, um, curated uh, generic playlist of music that could be heard anywhere with announcers that say pretty much absolutely nothing, uh, but have nice voices um, introducing the next song. And so not particularly unique. And, um, you know, that wasn't always the way that local radio was. So, you know, as, as time has come on and, and I've had a, a, a time in my career where I could make that switch, uh, I've decided to do that. So let's talk a little bit about where you're headed here. Uh, you obviously, as as people know, the the company that you had been working for, which was originally Journal Broadcast Group, and then uh, became Scripps. Those stations now, are the last of them, are in the process of being sold out. So, in in some sense, you know, I guess you could say that this was sort of a, you know, you, you didn't have the choice of continuing doing what you were doing, but to take that and say, okay, now I'm going to go out and start something brand new. That's still a leap there, right? It is uh, still a leap, although in in this particular situation uh, with um, with Scripps, which uh, was a, is a tremendous company and uh, was selling their radio group, I've known for quite some time that um, at the end of that, that I would move on. And, uh, you know, it's been quite a long time, actually. So I had had some time to... Um, frame out what it was that uh, that I would like to do next, and in the meantime, help uh, help Scripps wrap up uh, their ownership and, and ready to turn the keys over uh, to uh, a new owner. So um, that actually ended up working out really well, gave me a little opportunity to uh, think about my, what it was that I'd like to do next. And there were a, obviously there's a, a choices when you have that that kind of uh, you know time afforded to you you have a chance to really think about it a little bit and uh, thought, well, gee, I can maybe hop back into the, um, you know, the world again, head back to uh, Chicago or a place like that and continue um, doing what I was doing. Or I can, uh, you know, sort of 
innovate a little bit in terms of uh, career innovation and, and think about something that, uh, you know, that, that takes some of the things that I'm really interested in and do something different and uh, maybe be able to give back in a different way at this point in my career. So the play here now is you've begun putting feelers out. You kind of started making this public a couple of weeks ago when, when you left scripts. Uh, we've got the name of the company now, Great Lakes Media, which fits, I think, perfectly with, with your fascination with, with this region and the Great Lakes. Talk a little bit about where you're looking, what kind of communities now, what kind of stations you're in the market to start building up. Sure. Um, we are looking for the company's uh, name is uh, Great Lakes Media Corp. And uh, we're looking for radio stations that are in this general region. And when I talk about th- this region, I'm, I'm, I'm really talking about places in uh, the, um, the upper Midwest and in uh, sort of in the Northeast, in the upstate New York, uh, Pennsylvania, Ohio uh, area, as well as, uh, you know, further Midwest uh, to Indiana, Michigan, Illinois and um, Wisconsin and, 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 and Minnesota. So that's a, a fairly large area, but, but you know, somewhat, con, you know, somewhat, uh, you know, somewhat similar in, in a lot of nature in terms of the in terms of the cultural feel of it being kind of Midwestern, but also more specifically to the Great Lakes region. I'm sitting here in Rochester. In a lot of ways, this could be Wisconsin here. It sure could be. Right. I, mean, I grew up in Buffalo and um live in Milwaukee now, and these towns are so similar in so many ways. And culturally, they were um, historically um, many of the same people uh, that uh, came up through the Erie Canal and through uh, western New York ended up settling in places like uh, like Wisconsin. So um, the accent is even very similar uh, as well. So, um, you know, similarly, uh, formerly industrially based uh, cities, Along the Great Lakes that have um, have evolved and changed, but uh, done so in, in very uh, like ways. I worked very hard to shed the Rochester accent. Don't make me bring it back on you. <laughs> it's not that hard to get rid of that accent. Nah. <laughs> Let's talk Buffalo for a minute because you were inducted uh, just about a month and a half ago, and it, it breaks my heart that I, that I wasn't able to be there. I was down at the, at the radio show in Orlando, but uh, you were inducted into the Buffalo Broadcasters Hall of Fame um, with their uh, the, the Buffalo Bob Smith Award, which they give to people who have made it big outside of Buffalo. And, you know, that market is just so remarkable in terms of the, the level of talent that has come through there over the years and the, the number of, of homegrown talents that it's produced, the, the radio management talents that it's produced, people like Randy Michaels, who himself was honored uh, just a few years ago by the Hall of Fame, uh, people like you. What is it, uh, do you think, that, that that makes that particular market so special from a radio point of view and that's it's made the audiences there as loyal as they've been over the years? Well, that, that market, uh, Buffalo, is a uh, was always a, a destination for uh, really good broadcasters and for some reason had a, a lot of broadcasters and talking about broadcasters when I talk about good ones people that I uh, could look up to and and learn from uh, whether it was people that I listened to or I ended up working with in Buffalo but um, as a a kid you know you had uh, uh, great radio stations there not only from Buffalo but Toronto as well and and um, I was a little different I was a a geeky radio kid that could enjoy um, a place like uh, 
WKBW, which was a legendary 50,000-watt top 40 radio station, and at the same time um, have great appreciation for WBEN, which was the market's um, uh, full-service and news and talk uh, kind of station that had all of the uh, the sports and uh, you know great personalities on it as well and, and was really kind of the voice of record for the market. But then there were also very many uh, unique stations and ethnic stations and um, you know stations that served maybe smaller audiences doing something a little bit more special. So you know you'd have um, uh, radio stations that played polka music and and you know radio stations a great african-american um station that served the black community was wufo and uh that was uh, a station i was fascinated uh with and by so there were all kinds of great radio stations there are good rock stations wgrq or 97 rock at the time um that was a was a was a fantastic radio station and they all served uh, different audiences, and I found that fascinating. And um, you know, I listened to CFRB in Toronto, and and the, um, that station had more of a British tone to it. Just back in those days in Canada, that's kind of how it felt, and that's the way Toronto felt. So at night, you could pick up these radio stations from around the country and and kind of do the same thing, where you'd hear. Um, you know, a WBZ in Boston and, and what people were talking about there and uh, WGN in Chicago, WABC in New York, a great top 40 station, our KMOX. And interestingly enough, uh, some of those call letters uh, ended up uh, appearing on my resume years later because of my fascination with uh, with radio and its ability to connect in different ways and in different cities. And I always found it more interesting, honestly, as time went on, to hear a place like a WJR in Detroit, uh, along with CKLW, and, and how those stations um, in other markets affected and touched their communities in different ways. So it was uh, more than a, by musical choice, as a young person, but as uh, as somebody that was really interested in people, places, and things, and uh, and what the personalities of these different markets sounded like. So not only within the markets, but also in other markets as well. But back to Buffalo, Buffalo was a great uh, a great radio market, and still is to this day. It's it's a, it's a good radio town, and there's a lot of these uh, radio towns in this in this kind of region. I think where people. Um, you know, they weren't as transient. They're just not as transient as our markets uh, in the United States. So uh, people have uh, an affinity toward their radio stations uh, that uh, that lasts and is passed down through generations. And that's also another uh, kind of a neat thing about Buffalo and all these cities along the Great Lakes. I got into a long conversation online not long ago when uh, they were celebrating the 50th anniversary of the WKBW War of the Worlds a, a few weeks ago. And, you know, the argument came up, well, who, who remembers that? And the answer is only in Buffalo. In Buffalo, you could actually, and they did, fill an entire movie theater with people, granted mostly of a certain age, uh, you know, who had been there and had listened to Danny Nevereth and had listened to Sandy Beach scaring the, the, the heck out of people on that night in October 50 years ago and still remembered and, and still cared enough to come out there, and there are not a lot of markets, I think, where where you could pull that off now. But I guess that you know, in listening to you talk about about what you heard growing up uh, here in Western New York, I think a cynic could look at that and say, okay, 
you know, that was great then. That was great when you only had four or five or six or maybe a dozen choices of radio station to listen to. And now our kids can pick from absolutely anything on demand, whatever they want, whenever they want it. In light of that, if you're going out now and buying radio stations in 2018 or 2019, how do you make that relevance happen for for a new generation of listeners? Well, that's a a great question because uh, really it it comes down to uh, relevance, but also it does come down to distribution platforms and how people can uh, pick up radio. And it also comes down to what is radio providing. And um, if you grow up in a small town and you uh, uh, go to high school and you have a means by which you can hear uh, a high school football game or hear uh, what's going on in your school in, in, in some way, shape or form, you can be connected to what audio content provides and, um, and, and the personal nature and the feel of what that, what that is if it's provided to you, but it's, it's gone a lot of places. And a lot of these, um, you know, towns, smaller towns, they may have lost their media. Um, they may have had a, uh, a daily or a weekly newspaper that's gone. Uh, they may have had a radio station that, uh, that was moved to a larger city, uh, in the, in the world of consolidation when sing- signals were being moved around or when somebody felt like they could, uh, you know, buy a small town radio station and the people were ready to cash out and uh, move that radio station into a, you know, maybe a larger city or maybe make it uh, sound so slick and generic that it, uh, you know, really didn't do much of anything in terms of connection. But it was a nice collection of songs. And in the meantime, you know, 20 some years later, um, you know, you can you can have a, a much better experience uh, if you if you want to use uh, an audio source for music then in a lot of ways, then radio might be able to provide on a local basis because it's just it's not really designed to, to do a great job at that. Even the way it works in the advertising platform and all of that is very different from uh, a play like a Pandora or, um, you know, a, a Spotify, that type of thing. And and what might be available to you on on satellite radio for the people that uh, that listen to satellite as well. So. Um, this is a great opportunity for radio to turn back to its roots to be um, a local connector once again. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean just a tower in a field somewhere, but also with a much more robust experience and much more uh, hyper local local experience through multiple platforms. So it's not a, an issue of um, either radio or digital. It's really more a matter of both. So it's uh, not, again, an either or proposition, but uh, radio uh, being, you know, a a more general uh, wide opening at the top of a funnel that can direct people to lots of other content that can be provided by an organization uh, that will provide great video content of that football game, for example, and uh, um, maybe uh, running the, the, the town hall meeting and uh, lots more information that can be provided on in, in different ways that people, you know, can use their sense, senses to, to, to take that information in. So it really involves a whole different thing. And when we talk about uh, people who can work in that space, um, and, and when I think about this company, I don't think about... Um, Gee, can we hire a bunch of, you know, 
sort of former radio jocks that sit in the studio and uh, complain about voice tracking uh, that ruined their lives back in the 90s? Or can we hire uh, multi-platform uh, journalists and multi-platform communicators that can create um, more compelling content than that was and here is? And a lot of those people don't exist uh, working in radio at this point and come, can come from other places. Um, not to say that there aren't great radio people that can do, do that, but I think, again, it comes down to creating compelling content, and the business hasn't been developing people to do that for, uh, for a while, with the exception of a few places. Um, it's really been uh, based on um, a more perfunctory skill of, uh, of uh, that was, here is, and... Uh, you know, we're the ones that play the best music. And well, guess what? No one cares, right? <laughs> People want to be able to connect in uh, in different ways that radio can. And um, I think that in small towns, that's a, there's a great opportunity to be able to bring that back and do just that. So do you have to take on a role then also in training the next generation to do what it is that you're looking for them to do? Or are there places where you think you can tap that they're that they're actually coming out of now? Uh, that's a great. That's a really great point. I think that that it, it that is a lot of it. I think that um, we have to find people in this business that have um, a greater bandwidth when it comes down to people, places, and things, and being interested in things, uh, so that they become interesting people and they uh, can do more than um, you know sit in a in a booth and and be voice talent. Uh, I think that um, we have to train that. We have to find people that that uh, that have uh, a greater uh, uh, set of interests and things and are interested in people and can interview and, and, and talk to people one-on-one and know the questions to ask and, and, and can engage in a completely different way so that they can work on multiple platforms and provide information uh, on things that um, wouldn't otherwise be covered uh, in, you know, radio as we've seen it uh, in the last few years uh, uh, develop or change. So where do so you, training is important. And so are you are you going to be looking then? And I guess we're probably getting a little bit ahead of of the sure. card here without you having even even bought anything yet. But you know, does that end up then with bringing high school and college kids in? Where where do you where do you expect to be looking? It absolutely does. Um, and, and and interestingly enough, I've already had people apply um, because we um, have a set up. All of our, uh, you know, uh, social media and our web and, and uh, communication uh, uh, pieces on in the digital space to um, to let people know what we're doing. And um, it's been tremendous. The response that we received a lot from people have, in, in terms of people that are um, college uh, professors that have taken note that are involved in communication say, wow, this here's a here's a here's here's something that's a little different. Here's something that's different for our students that are involved in communication, that uh, that they can do something that's that's quite meaningful and quite interesting across multiple platforms. Where that's that's how people use uh, media today. Um, there isn't some, you know, when you say, well, are you a radio listener? Well, sure, you're a radio listener. And, you know, as it's reported, 93 percent of people do use radio. Um, but we also use um many other platforms as well. Um, and we look at video and, and, and the digital things that afford us. And we have these tremendous radio brands that can be um, um, made more robust by a, a fuller experience. And I think that when you, when you talk 
uh, talk with uh, people that are um, sort of emerging in our world, that's the world they know. And, and that's the world we know. And this is, um, you know, none of this stuff is really new. Um, and that's when you look at it and say, well, gee, well, how long have we been like this? How long has this happened? Well, I mean, how many years ago are we talking, you know, the, the, the 90s when the world began to change that way, um, you know, more quickly? It's been a long time. And, um, you know, has what opportunities we have to 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 uh, to put, bring radio front and center in each of these communities with people that can do more, um, I think is um, is is really important. But it is, again, as I say, it's not an either or position. It's an and uh, proposition. And you have to be able to do it with people who uh, have the bandwidth to uh, to do more. Uh, than maybe once was expected or has been expected in our industry in a lot of radio. And I think we have tremendous people in the business, but I think we've worked, uh, uh, we've limited ourselves a little bit in terms of the kinds of people that we attract. Um, and a lot of the people, frankly, in these in, in, in small markets, they will tend to uh, migrate to larger places. And that's okay. That's always the way it's been. But I think we have a great opportunity, but also a responsibility to train broadcasters, and when I mean broadcasters, I mean broadcasters, uh, you know, in the sense of today versus what we might have uh, thought of years ago, um, that you're, you know, you're broadband broadcasters, and uh, we have to be able to train people uh, and, and know that they're, that they're going to be developed and move on to bigger things. And that's what's happened in small markets over the years. And you have a nice combination in small markets of people that are there because they love it and they choose to be and they can make great careers and be very, very effective and happy people within the communities. And then knowing that some will move on to different things and, and, and knowing that that's kind of the way things work. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's important to have a, a mix of people that include, um, you know, certainly well-experienced broadcasters training and developing and growing uh, our, uh, you know, multi-platform journalists and communicators of tomorrow. It's amazing to see some of the programs that do get it. One of the things I'm looking forward to featuring pretty soon on uh, on my column, I was down on the way to the radio show in Orlando. I stopped at the University of Florida in Gainesville, and what they are doing there is phenomenal because those kids, if they take all the opportunities that are there in that building, they do a nightly local TV newscast. They have an ESPN AM radio outlet. They've got a commercial country FM outlet. They've got a student-run station that is heavily engaged now. Uh, you know, they're they're much more of a streaming and interactive service even than anything on air where they're just an HD sub-channel. And they've got a full NPR outlet there, too. And it's just remarkable, you know, when, when those programs get it, when they understand what they need to teach the kids to know how to do. And then on top of that, they've got an entire TV control room where they're doing sports broadcasts uh, for ESPN and doing Gator Vision for the giant screen on the football stadium right across the street. So, yeah, those opportunities um, are definitely out there. But I, I want to turn to you. Know, you. You've talked about the staffing aspect of it. Obviously, this has to be a business that makes money. Obviously, it's got to return money to investors. And, you know, we know this has been a rocky decade or so. Uh, for a lot of people trying to make money in radio and private equity, and we've seen some pretty spectacular crashes and, and burns out there. How do you go to that community now and raise money and say, okay, maybe it didn't work on that scale, but 
I know what to do here. How do you how do you sell that? I think you sell it with a um, the concept in a sense of you know kind of what I'm uh, you know sort of speaking of. I think the difference is um, there's a, there's a number of differences, and, and let's talk a little bit about the business overall. Um, it wasn't that raising sales um, were were bad uh, or doing things that weren't weren't a good business, but I think what had happened is you have this. Um, you have had a business that has traditionally um, been a good margin business. Um, and because of that, you know, it became uh, something, you know, uh, after the telecom bill that was what was able, made it able to uh, be um, sort of maximized, I guess, in some ways, um, or leveraged by, by larger companies that would go and say, hey, well, now we can pull all these stations together. And, you know, that's not, wasn't, wasn't necessarily a bad thing um, to do that because what you were able to see conceptually was that the quality could be uh, increased, could be increased um, through scale. So you you know you could you could build um, build out a bunch of radio stations and you know the, there would be the working capital to build nice facilities and and do do all of those kinds of things. But but when when that happened and the media sort of converged. And, and, and in order to maintain these really large margins, you know, what did people do? Obviously, they had to kind of go in and these big companies and, and go in and, and, and chop them up. up. But they were they still were unique um, and they still required a little bit more uh, care and feeding than saying, OK, let's see how many can we buy more radio stations than the next place. And with absentee ownership in many cases and these becoming distribution platforms for other content and finding ways to squeeze more out of them, they became, you know, a lot of them became, um, you know, sort of less in, in, interesting. And let's face it, other um, technologies, uh, uh, you know, provided different experiences. So um, these companies that were highly leveraged uh, found themselves uh, with depreciating assets and and, and uh, you know, thus, thus the story of uh, what happened to it, a degree in our business. That doesn't make the radio stations themselves, um, you know, bad. But what happened was the companies themselves uh, weren't able to provide things that, that mattered to that degree and didn't sell the same way they once did um, and uh, looked at um, ways of, of removing the direct selling from, you know, kind of everyone's lexicon in broadcasting. So, um, it, relate radio is a local business, right? And, um, you know, here you have uh, shrinking ad dollars and sh uh, uh, national ad dollars shifting, uh, with companies that are depending on, on, on doing that, uh, selling the same way, uh, that, uh, they were, you know, working on, um, programming things in ways that were so, so incredibly efficient, uh, that you're doing too good a job that way, I guess. And so you would lose that local connection and lo that local touch. But what's also happened, you know, beyond broadcasting and beyond radio is that many of the uh, towns, uh, smaller towns, since the really going way back to the 50s and 60s, began to lose, um, you know, there was a brain drain and people moving out. They couldn't find positions and jobs in smaller communities. So they left. And um, what has happened now is a lot of these places that are still really nice, beautiful towns um, 
have come back and are coming back because they're they're neat places to live and they're affordable and people who might have grown up with a family tradition of um you know kind of wanting to be involved in in the community and and know people and know their neighbors and have more more of a sense of place and maybe in a world where we can be entrepreneurs once again uh the people are returning to these small towns but what they're returning to is you know, kind of neat old buildings and nice homes and, uh, you know, freshly cut grass and, and just, a, a you know, sort of a bucolic setting. But what, what they don't have is they don't have the media because the media went away in, in many cases where radio stations, as I had mentioned before, moved or the, uh, you know, means by which, uh, you know, the, the virtual town hall of, uh, of, of radio and newspaper and all of that went away. Well, it's time to bring that back because the people are coming back and bring it back, not the same way, but bring it back in the way people live today, which is, um, you know, which is, uh, you know, sort of life, life on an iPhone and, 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 and life being able to find pretty much everything that it is uh, by your fingertips. But what hasn't uh, hasn't been there to a degree and can be paired with uh, radio and people that do that is is audio content that is specific and audio t- uh, content that is specific to a community and, and, and just very local. Excellent. So what are the nuts and bolts at this point? How soon do you expect to actually be announcing acquisitions and new hires? What's the, what's the game plan for you? Um, this is actually a, a really good time as people are, um, you know, are, are kind of wrapping up calendar years and broadcast it's a good time because it allows me the opportunity to be involved in that process uh with a number of broadcasters that are looking to make changes so not only does that mean with um with regard to owners but also people that are um, kind of reassessing their careers and that type of thing as well so what i've done um first of all if i can backtrack a little bit um to uh thinking about that next thing um you know that i you know sort of envisioned and 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 would wanted to see and and felt like you know there was a good opportunity was that i thought well maybe i can buy some radio stations in a small market and make a difference in one place when i talk about small markets i i mean small towns maybe unrated places and make a really good life um you know for this portion in this chapter to go into a community, make a difference, and set up a model that uh, that really that really works. And what I found was, in just making the announcement that I was setting up a, a small company to do that, is I heard from people throughout the industry, throughout the country, actually up in Canada as well, of people that were fascinated by a different kind of concept of pulling these together. And while it's not a, a different concept. It just hasn't been put into practice um, as well as maybe it could be in a lot of places because it's, well, either you're a radio person or you're a, um, you know, a digital person and content is content and, um, you know, we can put it together in a bigger way. So bottom line, um, I found people that are that, that want to work with me on it and want to make something bigger, including investment uh, people. Uh, that are interested in doing something on a on a larger scale. So it's it's kind of like I ended up, uh, uh, you know, careful what you wish for, I guess. And um, and so uh, you now all of a sudden I'm kind of having to re-engineer my brain on what this could look like, and it looks quite a bit larger 
than what I had um, thought of as sort of being a singular kind of play in, in one place. Um, that being said, I don't want to repeat the mistakes of the past um, because the that you can you know you can be um, sort of lulled into thinking that wow well that's hey I can I can run a really huge company with um, you know uh, 10 15 markets which is not a huge huge company but it, it's certainly big big for an individual to start something like this but I can do something but do it in a different way and um, it has to be done in a way where you you can repeat successes as opposed to look uh, for as much as you can and and, uh, you know, uh, go around the Monopoly board and buying, you know, Park Place and the boardwalk and everything else. I think it's different from that. I think you have to, you know, you have to uh, show some success, build some success, um, and you have to um, have make a few mistakes and, and fail your way forward until you figure out how that works in a place and then expand from there. Now, that may not be for everybody. Um, and maybe more people, maybe some people say, well, well, just, yeah, okay, wash, rinse, and repeat, but let's do this quick, quickly. And I think you have to be, you know, this, this takes a little bit more people, and markets are very, very special. And they're very, very different. You know, they, they, there may be some of the same uh, concepts in some ways. But the markets themselves are, are, are very different and they're very nuanced. And you have to figure them out in a way that makes sense with people who join you as partners that have the ability to do that as well. And, and a lot of times that comes down to a local bank, for example, and uh, local people that that have been involved in, in media in a market in some way, shape or form that are ready for that next step. But you have to have the expertise um, um, before you go in and say, yeah, I know it all. We're going to build, you know, 90 of these things and they're all going to be exactly the same. And, and then we're going to have the same result. Uh, I don't think that works for anybody. So um, this is something that we have to think about differently. I think this is something that has to be done where you can build a model of success and make that model flexible enough uh, that it, um, you know, that it, that it works well in different markets and also, um, obviously, looking at markets um, that are ready for something like this, because some of them aren't. Some um, uh, towns haven't haven't quite achieved that just yet, where they're um, attracting people and, and, and people that are kind of almost homesteading in, in communities and coming back. There are some that aren't. And then the, the, you go um, in your part of the neck of the woods, you go down, um, you know, U.S. 20 or, or New York State Route 5 across the um, you know, the upper part of uh, New York State uh, in western and central New York and, 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 and the Capital District as well. And you'll find, you know, driving along the Mohawk River, for example, you'll find some really neat communities and you'll find some that are still desperate. And you have to kind of uh, uh, be able to spend some time understanding them and picking and choosing and finding places where you can have success and then hoping that that success will um, will help in other communities that uh, aren't quite as far down the pipeline in terms of uh, of reinventing themselves. And you are literally headed to the beach now for a little bit to think about all of this, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to be spending some time um, as I work. Um, you know, I guess, you know, that's the fun thing about, um, uh, you know, how things are today. And I live in Milwaukee um, and have lived in Chicago and St. Louis and, you know, Syracuse, Buffalo, and worked in Pittsburgh, and New York, all over the place. But, you know, the neat thing is that um, this is a concept that you can kind of work on, um, you know, by visiting the towns. 
and also having, you know, being in a spot where you can kind of be comfortable and, and get on the phone with people like yourself and, and, um, and talk about this and, and think about it and dream about it and figure out where you're going to work and where you're going to find good people to do this that can not only uh, create um, great content, but people that um, know how to connect and sell this in a direct way, in a sort of non-transactional uh, kind of way. And so I have, I'll have some time here to, to talk with great sales leaders. And it's been amazing, by the way, that I've talked to people who are in similar situations where they're ready to make a, a career change. And uh, these are people from very, very large companies, names that you'll know, um, that everybody would know, that I've talked to, that are interested in what I'm doing and are interested in, in, in taking part in, in, in some measure uh, in joining me in, in, in kind of working in this new world. So I'm going to have a, you know, a couple of weeks to be able to kind of really focus on that and, and maybe uh, do so in a way where I'm not sitting in, in a bunch of snow. <laughs> <laughs> So I think I agree that there is a hunger out there uh, for people who you know have done this for the big companies for quite a while and are looking for something different. I suspect if I know my listenership that uh, there are a bunch of people listening right now who are going to be interested uh, in talking to you. How do they reach out to you? Um, they can reach out to me um, and, and they certainly can reach out to me by, uh, first of all, um, um, which is, which is, I, I'd, I'd really suggest and, 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 and hope that maybe you could provide me some feedback as well by, uh, going to greatlakesmediacorp.com again, greatlakesmediacorp.com. And that's the website. Um, we're also, um, if you want to, uh, follow, uh, follow us on Twitter, you can go to GRLT lakes media. Okay. So at um, Great Lakes Media, but it's GRLT Media on Twitter. And then I have a Facebook page for our company as well. So you can go there. But uh, to get to me personally, you can go to tom.langmeyer at greatlakesmedia.com. And that's Tom, and it's dot Langmeyer, L A N G M Y E R, at greatlakesmediacorp.com. Got to make sure the corp's in there. Um, uh, and um, and and uh, you can get to me that way, or um, our number is three one two three two zero forty seven hundred. So lots of ways to get a hold of me. And um, I would say this about um, people that are looking to um, sell or invest in radio stations. It's been interesting because I've had a chance to uh, visit uh, a number of uh, local radio stations and companies. Some uh, who own a number of stations, and then others who are. Uh, operating singularly, I guess, with several stations in, in small markets as well. And what I found is there's um, there are numbers of uh, different ways or, or, I guess, situations that we're seeing with people. There are people that that are, you know, uh, respectfully mom and pop stations that um, they are ready to be done, ready to, you know, retire and move on. And perhaps they have, uh, you know, children that aren't interested in continuing uh, in the business. So there are people that are doing that have done nice jobs with their stations and they're ready to retire. And they've done a really good job taking care of those stations and, you know, you know, really um, operating them well uh, and being great stewards in their communities. Um, so it's important to them to have somebody that they can sell to that cares uh, about, about, about it. So it, it's not 
it's something that means a lot more to them because they have employees that have worked with them for many years and they want to make sure that, you know, to whom they would would sell their property, that they can sell it to a broadcaster or a broadband uh, communicator uh, that's going to continue to uh, treat their people with great respect and and uh, continue to treat their communities with great respect and maybe be able to do some things that they weren't able to do to continue their legacy. Um, and, and typically when I talk to those people, they're people that are, um, you know, sort of realistic and understanding that um, the values of these properties have changed. And, and, and a lot of times you can't uh, get what you once would have maybe been offered. I've, I've heard a lot of people who've uh, have given the uh, these anecdotal stories of, well, you know, five years ago, so and so approached me and they, you know, they they said that they would pay me, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the deal fell through or we didn't want to sell at the time and whatever. And, and unfortunately those are all anecdotal and, and, and nice and everything, but um, the values of things have changed um, over the years. And then, you know, and so that's, you know, obviously uh, changed uh, the pricing of, 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 of stations and, and, and somebody, by the way, that's going in, and this is the other issue and the other thing that needs to be, addressed is that somebody that goes in, you know, you've got a person that's doing some decent cash flow, but they have no debt service. So the model changes when somebody comes in and uh, on debt to buy a radio station, uh, radio stations, they're not going to have that cash flow because they have debt service. So what becomes a, you know, halfway decent business becomes um, a money losing proposition. So the reality of it is, is, you know, you have to match that carefully. And I'm more of a conservative investor, um, I don't like to owe anybody a dime on anything, you know, so, um, you know, I'm not interested in a highly leveraged situation in something that's uh, certainly, you know, somewhat more risky. Uh, but I do have the vision. I think with reality, you can put something together that makes a lot of sense. The other types of radio stations are are, are those that have been ignored um, by for whatever reason. You know, it might be a, you know unfortunate situation in someone's family or a company that's you know, is, um, is, 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 um, having problems. Well, it's the best thing to do. You start, you stop maintaining something and then, you know, all of a sudden the grass kind of grows around everything and, um, you know, you find ways to cut costs and you maybe don't clean the place and, you know, you get rid of some people and, and then you've got this shell of something that may or may not be able to be saved and uh, a community that may or may not have already moved on. Uh, to other forms of uh, of media to replace what was lost. So you have a lot of different situations. None of them are alike. So going in and saying, I'm just going to go and get, you know, $40 million from, a, um, you know, from investors and banks and saying, okay, let me just buy as many radio stations as I possibly can, as was done in the 90s, I don't think is a realistic proposition. And we found people that have actually gone back to this, you know, sort of thing and said, oh, well, you know, now I'm ready to, you know, kind of do the next thing. I'm going to buy a whole bunch of radio stations and I'm going to do the same thing. And they've had the same result because they haven't been able to give the personal care to it or they're over leveraged. And um, those things create the same results that we saw in this business. We've seen in so many other businesses as consolidation, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just if you don't do it properly and you don't put the attention into it and you don't understand what you're buying um, that, that can happen. And I can't say that, 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 that isn't a risk for someone like me or me to go in and say, well, let's, let's, let's go in and, and get a bunch of these things. Um, that's why my approach would be different. And so what was interesting was, um, I've heard from 
lots of well-respected people within the, um, you know, that, that cover us and cover media. They said, oh, my gosh, you know, Tom Langmeyer is going to go in and he's going to buy this particular group or that particular group. And I'm thinking to myself, well, no, 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 that's not really how it how it, I don't believe it works that way. Um, I believe that you have to, you know, you have to understand what you're going to be doing and what you're getting um, and and, you know, and be responsible to, to, to those to whom would be lending you money to be doing a thorough and a good job. And I've heard more than one person say to me, well, it's easier to get um, somebody to give you 40 million dollars than it is to get somebody to give you, you know, two to four million dollars. And um, and, you know, there's obviously reasons for that. But I think no matter how you look at it, you you better be able to manage the debt service. And if you can't manage the debt service and know what you're doing and understand the markets and understand um, sales and how uh, how that works in a community, um, you're you're not destined for success. So um, this approach may be a little bit more um, conservative and and, and, uh, you know, overly conventional, I guess, in some ways. But um, it's a big responsibility. It's a big responsibility. You don't want to go into somebody's market and take a, a radio station that people have trusted over the years that you may be able to improve upon and, and mess it up and, and, and ruin that opportunity for the community and for our industry. I feel really responsible not only um, for my own financial well-being, but I feel very responsible for the, for the business, the business of radio and the business of broadcasting and broadband communication and I feel very responsible to go into a city. I don't think I could look people in the eye and say, hey, gee, I just came in and overpaid for a radio station in your town, and I don't know what to do with it, and I'm going to throw my arms up. I just, I, 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 that's not a scenario that, uh, um, you know, everybody, you have, to, you have to risk, obviously. You have to take risks in life. But I think that you, you, they have to be calculated and well calculated. I don't think they always have been uh, in our business. I know we will be watching closely to see how you do with it. Tom Langmar, thank you so much for spending some time with us here on the Top of the Tower podcast. We will, I'm sure, be coming back and talking with you more as the Great Lakes Media Corporation progresses. Thanks so much. I'm, I'm, I'm very bullish on, on, on what, uh, what the future can, can be, and we do it the right way. I think we can see some success and provide great content for smaller markets. Looking forward to seeing how it all pans out. Tom, thank you so much for your time. Sure thing. And again, my thanks to Tom for spending so much time with us talking about his visions. I am sure we will be talking with him again uh, at great length again, probably on the Top of the Tower podcast in the weeks and months to come as he puts the Great Lakes Media Corporation together. The Top of the Tower podcast is brought to you, of course, by Fibush.com, the Fibush store where you can find the 2019 Tower Site calendar and the Broadcast Historians calendar. And Northeast Radio Watch every Monday. We will be here with a new edition for you yet again next Monday. Hope you'll think about subscribing. And don't forget, we also bring you Site of the Week. We have a special Thanksgiving edition Site of the Week that published early this week, taking you inside sort of a then and now view of what's now Hubbard Radio in Chicago. More Chicago and lots more great stuff still to come on Tower Site of the Week. And we're brought to you by Shively Labs. Shively Labs is a division of Howell Laboratories. Shively is a proud employee-owned company with over 50 years of expert antenna and filter design and manufacturing. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving. I'm Scott Feibush. We'll be back with you next week on the Top of the Tower podcast.